This is Sunbelt Commissioner Keith Gill, and I listen to the Funbelt Podcast. The most important thing is is that people will remember who, who the person you were. They won't remember how many home runs that Matt Walner hit. They won't remember how many wins Nick Sandlin had. Those, those numbers will fade, but the person you are and the teammates you are, the coach you are, how you care for people and how you try to build people and mold people that are around you, that's what they'll remember the most. And, you know, that's, that's a big part of who I am. You know, as I've gotten older, I understand the big picture. You know, the wins are part of it. The losses come with it. But it's these guys, when they're done, you know, what do they do then? You know, what, what kind of impact are they going to make in the community? We know what they can do on the field. What are they going to do in the community? And that's part of the that's part of our our program. You know, I really feel that's that's a big part of our program moving forward. So we hear the legendary coach Scott Barry with his last uh, remarks as Southern Miss's head coach, leading us into this week's Fun Belt podcast, guys. It's like sort of like we're mourning a little bit. That's the end of the uh, school year's worth of. Sunbelt sports for us. What are, what are we going to do here for the next uh, couple of weeks? Yeah, you know, it kind of sucks. You're right. Like, like I, I even wrote on Twitter, my interest in college baseball right now, 0.0%. I don't give a rat's butt about anybody left. The NCAA Outdoor Track and Field Championships concluded. After, you know, baseball finally settles, even though I won't be watching it, no more. We're in the graveyard shift, guys. That's what we got. You know, two Red Wolves Saturday night. Uh, a woman from Cameron Newton-Smith came in eighth in the heptathlon. That's seven events, guys, that she competed in. She came in eighth. And then a woman named Pauline Meyer also came in eighth total for the steeplechase 3000. And I was told, Tibbs, you might, might not believe this because i don't believe it but shane metlin has implied implied to me hasn't confirmed but has implied to me that in college he ran the steeplechase i did not very <laughs> successfully how does how does but, first of all how does one like become a steeplechase runner like i'm sure like you know when you're in high school you're like i, I want to do hurdles i want to do the hundred i want to do the long jump i want to do the pole vault yeah. Does the coach like say, you know what, we really need somebody to do the steeplechase? Well, um, so I arrive at Hutchinson Community College in yep. Kansas as a distance runner, cross country guy. Okay. And, um, when that first outdoor track season kind of rolls around, the coach, the distance coach asked, any of you play high school basketball? <laughs> and there were like three of us. Yeah. And like, okay, we're going to start working with you guys on the steeple because you got you might have a little bit more spring in your legs than the typical uh than the typical distance runner wait so and, starting working on meant that we're just going to throw you in the fire at this meet no like we, okay. we did we we had the barriers you know to run and practice we did not have at our actual home track we didn't have the water bit oh. so my first time going into the water was during a race <laughs> and and it was okay okay all right. Yeah. I mean, 
but that's the first the... time not bad it's when you're already run two miles and you've got to do it one more time <laughs> that's when you, you try the the key is you only you want to finish the race with one foot dry so oh. you're going in and you're landing like you're making one splash like say on your left foot mm-hmm. and then you're stepping out of the water with your right foot like each time you're pushing off of that barrier so that you're really only getting one foot wet so what you're um, telling me, you're there's a right. there is a technique to getting across that barrier. There is. Okay. Yeah. But, um, you know, I will, I will say my first race that um, probably like the sixth or seventh lap, I uh, was getting both feet wet. Because <laughs> <laughs> you lost that spring. Yeah. yeah. Or, or, or was it a screw it? I'm just jumping. <laughs> to some degree. Yeah. I mean, to some degree, I mean, at some point, unless you're really good at some point, you're like, just. I'm going to finish however I can possibly finish. And, (laughs) you know, those, those hurdles look pretty high. Yeah. You know, on about the seventh lap when you're coming around, sometimes you end up stepping on them instead of going over them. And it's a, it's an interesting, it's fun. I, I found out when I got to running at the college level, um, for, for what I did, you know, at a junior college that like, you know, in high school, I liked being able to win races. Yeah. When I got to, when I got to college, (laughs) maybe I didn't like running around circles quite as much as I thought I did when like, I wasn't like anything special. Um, so breaking it up with like either like a cross country course or like having the steeple chase, that was more fun than when they decided to put me into the 10,000 meter and you're just running circles all day. And you just see those guys ahead of you. And yeah. you just lose all hope. Let me ask you this though: in the steeplechase, that water, that water feature, that's where all the action though takes place. So that's where the fantastic crashes occur, right? Yeah, it's fun. I mean, it's it's fun. It's it's better than just running miles and circles, like to add something to it. Even though it's it's pretty grueling. Um, yeah. What if me and Tibbs challenged you to one lap around the steeplechase? <laughs> I would not clear the hurdles these days. <laughs> Is it okay days. to just sort of like put your belly over it and kind of roll over uh, it? Or... <laughs> I, I would hope maybe I could still step on it and jump off, but like it's, it's, it's a, it would be an interesting, I, I, I'd hope I could do one lap. I, I would, I would be living up to the Gomer pile from full metal jacket. Jeremy would probably be yelling at me like gunnery sergeant telling me to get off his obstacle. Yep. It would not be good. And then the bags of soap would come out, and then that would be the end. Socks. Socks of soap. Oh, was it sacks of soap? Okay. I thought was it pillowcases of soap or was it socks of soap? It was socks. Okay. All right. All right. It, whatever it was, it was brutal. Yeah. But uh, you know, he became a better soldier after that. In theory. <laughs> Until the end. <laughs> so, uh, so speaking anyway. of being yeah. better soldiers. Okay. Is there some uh, Jonesboro news yeah, that you have to, to share with us? Yeah, I'm really excited about this, guys. Um, uh, Arkansas State, a graduate from Arkansas State. She's also a, uh, a, a sideline reporter for Arkansas State and ESPN. Corey Keller is the new Miss Arkansas. So we're very excited about that. We haven't had a, 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 a student from Arkansas State since 2018. Uh, which was 
which was um, Miss Raffo, who is the daughter of of the baseball coach, but uh, she is now Miss Arkansas. So, you know, Saturday we had all these queens. We had two track queens and a beauty queen. It was great. I tell you, there's nothing else we need to talk about what happened on Saturday night. It was outstanding. In fact, we should move on maybe to another night because uh, it was a perfect night at Arkansas State. So so there was no um, late night raids to Walmart or... Uh... Yes, yes, there, there was a minor incident concerning three Arkansas State basketball players. A day after they reported for summer workouts, I guess they got a little bored. It was Terrence Ford, <coughs> Julian Lule, and one of the transfers, name escapes me, decided to go on a little five-finger shopping spree at Walmart and uh, pick up about $275 worth of items before getting caught by the risk prevention crew at the Jonesboro Walmart. So they got arrested Saturday night. Hey, I get it. Groceries are expensive, man. You know, that's why I like to think that maybe they were, you know, just gathering up food stuff so they can hand it out to the poor. I don't know. Now, Coach had a press conference on Monday, and I have his apology queued up. If we want to listen to that, we can, we can listen. It's a lot of Coach speak, but what else are you going to get? But bottom line, it's going to be handled internally, guys. You know what that means. It's going to be handled. Uh, obviously, everyone's aware of the situation that, that came up this past weekend uh, with three of our guys. Clearly, this does not represent uh, the culture uh, that we want to have in our program and what our program is about. Um, I'm disappointed in what's occurred. Um, so we are going to work and work through the matter here internally, um, handle some discipline internally uh, as we navigate through this and kind of get to the bottom of it. Um, but uh, I do want to let it be known that this this does not uh, align with uh, the way I want to operate in the type of program that I want to have. So um, we are we are extremely disappointed, um, and there, there will, we will take action here internally uh, within our program. That was Brian Harson. You know, he was like, hey, I'm disappointed. Hey, we're going to handle this internally. Hey, this is, doesn't represent us as a program. Hey, we're, we're going to get down to the bottom of it. And eventually he says, yeah, there's still Red Wolves. And, and you know, it's a misdemeanor. Yeah, it's a, it's a, they didn't have to even show up to court. It, you know, it's like one of those things, but it's unsavory, especially when you have a, brand new coach he comes in he talks about a new era at arkansas state and then this happens i'm sure he was pissed i'm sure hodgson was ready to twist some heads off but anyway they're moving forward with summer practices and i suspect it'll be pretty much the last thing we hear from it i I imagine it'll just kind of go away yeah i mean like you said it's a misdemeanor if you it's not great it's not good but if you got like if you were extremely harsh on every college kid who shoplifted, you, you know, you wouldn't kick them all out of school or anything like that. That's a, uh, you know, and you know, bottom line too, Terrence Ford looked really good at the end of last season. I know Julian Lowell had some moments too. Yeah. I mean, he's, you know, if, I, if it was, he's had a lot of talent in the backcourt, but Hodgkins might, might want to keep that guy around. That's the thing. I was like, if this is three walk-ons, it'd be like, oh, we don't tolerate that kind of behavior at Arkansas State, so we're moving on from those guys. But these guys, I, I don't think that's going to happen. 
And and you're right, you know, the second chances or whatever. Guys, have you ever been arrested? Either one of you ever been arrested? I have not. I know Tibbs has been arrested. Tibbs, you've been arrested, right? I've merely been detained. <laughs> wow. Detained even. All right. How was that? But uh, not good. <clears throat> but my my thing is, I, I mean, I like giving you a hard time on it, Jeremy. But when it comes to this, who cares? They're college kids. We're not talking about the uh, JMU band kid that, you know, did something illegal that would be front page material if they were an athlete. We don't care about the kid that's on the academic scholarship unless we're talking about, oh, well, Arkansas State, you know, they're undefeated and and they're playing for the Sunbelt Championship tomorrow. And this happens the night before. It, It doesn't change the outcome of the game. It doesn't change really the program. It's it's not like uh, a Baylor incident where they're having to cover bigger crimes up. Yeah, no kidding. I've I've never been a fan of kind of that. It, it, it's like you talk about though. It's that June content. There's nothing better going on, so we have to just blow it up. But in the grand scheme, this is not something that I'm just like, oh, we need to talk about this. No, well, we're the only reason why we're talking about it, it's June because we have nothing else, right? I mean, I guess if this were, yeah, right. If this were November or December, it'd probably be irritating. It would be discussed on Twitter for about, I don't know, two nights, and that would be it. But yeah, so you're right. You gotta just move on. I'm sure, listen, if any program you gotta worry about, about, you know, cry, it's James Madison. Uh, that little school in Harrisonburg, I mean, it's just like a den of thieves and vice. I don't know what you're covering up there, Shane, but somebody's got to do an investigative report and expose that. You're probably right. There's, you know, <laughs> it's it's not just a quiet little town where nothing happens. <laughs> what do you think is the most crime-ridden town? I'm not, you know what? Don't answer that. That's just going to bring more hate. I know you're going to say Boone, Shane. Uh, I am not going to say Boone. <laughs> He will never say Boone. It doesn't matter if it's good, bad, or indifferent. <laughs> I know, and I know, I know. Tibbs is going to say Lafayette, but I guess I guess we shouldn't go. No. If if I had to do straight statistics, I would seriously say either Gunrow or the ATL. Gunrow. Wow, I've um, never heard that one before. You know what? That might be my next June content. <laughs> Crime rates for all. Although most. Mobile's pretty bad as well. So Mobile's know. rough. I don't think Atlanta is as bad as people say, but I know Mobile is pretty rough. So we'll we'll take a look. Like all those larger cities are like any other place that they've got their bad neighborhoods yeah. and they've got their like absolutely fantastic. Here's where all the money is. Neighborhoods. I mean, Norfolk's the same way. But for you, I mean, they're but definitely places you don't want to wander to after an ODU football game. But like, it's also yeah. like I. Some of the, you know, some of the best like places in that seven five seven area. So it's oh once, yeah. Once once you get to be in a bigger city, you yeah, sure you've got crime, but you've also got like a lot of a lot of good things there too. Yeah, a lot of big city trashing is a little way out of hand. But I'll tell you something about Jonesboro, guys. I'll be honest. I mean, because I was looking at the the uh, crime sheet, trying to find the the mug shots of our three basketball players. Here's what you see 
all the time. Meth, 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 meth. A town like Jones. Is it blue? I don't think it's that really good meth. <laughs> I think it's the run-of-the-mill Walmart version of meth that you're going to get for a cheap, cheap price. But Jonesboro has its problems. Small towns have yeah. problems. So Yeah, they definitely all do. I mean, you talk about you know, you're drugs. talking about shoplifting at Walmart. There was a shooting at Walmart in Harrisonburg not too long ago. That kind, oh! of, thing's rare. This kind of thing's rare, but it does happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In fact, if there's going to be a shooting, it's usually going to happen at Walmart, right? That's where tensions are high. Yeah. <laughs> what else is going on, guys? What else we got? Before we uh, bring on our special guest, who is very special, I'm, I'm really excited about this guy. I'm not going to say who it is yet. But before we bring him on, is there anything else we need to talk about regarding the Sun Belt? I think we're all singing Kumbaya at this point. Well, the, the big news we haven't mentioned is uh, Jordan Brown. Oh. Yeah, heading to transfer portal. Yeah, I'm glad you remembered that. At least it's – I mean, he's in the transfer portal. Yeah. The interesting thing we've talked about on our group chat, though, was the report that maybe he hasn't – graduated from louisiana and maybe wouldn't be eligible if he transfers so it'll be interesting to see he, someone compared it to grayson mccall he is the grayson up, mccall of basketball ending up back at a uh, coastal maybe maybe we'll see if that happens uh for the cajuns here you know, the majority of people that have transferred have already done it you know they they transferred so they had plenty of time to get with other coaches and programs and maybe find a good landing spot. It was really surprising to me that somebody of his character, the center for uh is he a forward or a center? Center forward for He's center, I would say. Just a tremendous score. One one of those guys that you look at, I look at anyway, I say this guy has NBA moves. I don't know if he's an NBA player, but he's an NBA looking kind of guy. I was really surprised to see him hit that portal so late. And when I heard saw that report, I was like, well, that kind of makes sense. It sounds like he didn't have doesn't have all of his I's dotted and his T's crossed. Yeah. And yeah, I kind of feel like he probably felt like when he entered the draft, he would stay in the draft. And then the whole pre-draft process maybe wasn't what he thought it was going to be. And he's back in school. So then he opens up another set of options. Yeah, to me, it seems like the best idea for him would just be to stay at the Cajuns. You know, he yep. gets plenty of, of of looks from the Cajuns, from people saying he, he's one of the best players in that conference. Why just go ahead and melt away in another conference where you're just another one of the guys? But, you know, I can't talk. These kids, you know, they're shoplifting at Walmart and they're bouncing out of their teams and heading into the transfer portal. I can't talk to them. So anyway, the, the Sunbelt transfer portal, about... I would say almost nearly 60% of, of players that that jumped into the portal have found new homes. So uh, I, I've got a little like tracker uh, on Howraiser. If anybody wants to take a look at it, they can. But uh, but yeah, you know, people are finding homes. You know, not a lot of people just sitting out there waiting. But it'll be interesting to see if Jordan Brown stays with the Cajuns. So we led the show in with Scott Barry, the legendary Southern Miss coach, last game at the Pete. Didn't go the way we wanted it to. 
There's no trip to Omaha. There's no storybook ending to his career. But a guy that was there for the midnight baseball, he was doing the rain dance because he wanted the games to just continue on. Scott Watkins joins us. Scott, how was the Pete and and why so much rain? Why why was that something that you wanted? Uh, <laughs> I just I love spending time with the Pete man. So I, I thought, how can I stay here longer? You know, how can I how can I prevent myself from coming home at a good time? All right, before so. we get into the games, you know, we haven't been on in a couple of weeks, guys. I want an explanation from you, Scott. What the hell was this brouhaha about Applebee's? Oh, man. Um, I think it started with the Tennessee beat writer just kind of making a joke tongue in cheek. And then uh, a couple of Tennessee fans took it very seriously. And uh, they used that. They used the fact that there was no longer an Applebee's in Hattiesburg as their uh, measuring their economic measuring stick for uh, the city of Hattiesburg. Um, and of course, that didn't go well for that one particular fan. Um, Hattiesburg is known for having a lot of local food and just uh, chain restaurants just do not do well in that town because there's food with uh, seasoning on it in other places. So it, it, it just kind of became the rally cry for, for Southern Miss fans throughout the week. And, you know, from what I understand, Tennessee fans were a little peeved that they didn't get to have that super regional, right? So th- there was a little bit of 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 jealousy in that regard right oh yeah that the applebee's is like the third or fourth thing that they cycled on to um, <laughs> after after the metrics uh that they, they said tennessee was a better team um but uh they cycled off of that to they just kind of assumed they had the better uh venue uh they have a, a much smaller venue than than what southern miss has and so once they got uh once that argument got kind of laid to rest pretty quickly, uh, they cycled onto the food scene, and that's when the Applebee's thing kind of took off. Now, let me t- before you know, I don't I don't want to hog this interview. I know everybody has questions for Scott Watkins, but I lived in Knoxville for a year, and I damn near starved in Knoxville. It is a shitty food scene in Knoxville. I love Knoxville. I love the mountains, the outdoors part. the 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 city itself is beautiful. But man, there is nothing to eat in Knoxville. They have no right to go into uh, uh, Hattiesburg and start busting on the food choices in Hattiesburg, Mississippi. Yeah, I've been to Knoxville maybe once. And uh, for some reason, we we decided to eat Mediterranean because we were on a Mediterranean kick. It was the worst Greek I've ever had in my life. Well, that was a big mistake. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You can't go to Knoxville and expect good Greek, but oh, well, you live and you learn. So back to the the task at hand. I didn't think that Southern Miss was going to survive even Auburn when they were in that regional. How did they kind of squeak past and, and, and capture that to then get that super regional there at the peak? Well, what helped was the Auburn regional was probably one of the more least competitive um, of, of all of them. Uh, I think they had one of the better four seeds, but other than that, they had probably the worst one seed, um, not a very good three seed. Um, and uh, once once you get past Auburn, you know, not even that, honestly. I, I still think Southern Miss was the best team in that regional. Uh, and it, it, just before then, they had faced a very similar situation at the Sun Belt Tournament where they lost App State. And then uh, 
immediately turned around and run ruled App State and then beat Louisiana to win the title. So uh, they are very adept. It's a very old lineup. They're very adept at that kind of back against the wall type of game. Uh, they Last year, they were a little little shaky over the first month and a half of the season and then just kind of took off. And then the exact same thing happened this year. They uh, Two games since that Coastal Carolina series, they had given up 35 runs. Uh, just absolutely brutal uh, showing in Conway. And uh, they had a meeting. And they came out, they won game three, and they ended up winning like 13, 14 in a row. They finished the season 24 and five, I think, after that. So it's it's a team that's just, they know how to respond to those kind of situations. Looking around at the other teams there in the postseason, were you surprised that it was just the Golden Eagles that advanced into the Supers? Oh, a little bit. Uh, I thought Coastal had a chance, but... um. I don't know. I, I I hate the way that Troy went out as well with the error against Alabama there in the, in the, in the first game that they met. Uh, that was a rough way to go. Uh, it, but outside of Southern Miss, I think it was more of a hope. Southern Miss, I did feel like actually could get this far and actually could get to Omaha. They've like it, like I said earlier, very very experienced lineup, All American Ace. I mean, you had everything that you needed. All the ingredients were right there. So I, it it's not too surprising to me. But I do think that the Sun Belt is going to get to a point uh, very soon where it's going to be having, you know, pushing two two teams into that that super regional conversation. Well, you I thought Troy, Troy had – I'm sorry, Troy and Louisiana were both kind of playing over their heads anyway. I mean, Troy, they were both kind of last ones in. Uh, Coastal Carolina kind of shit in the bed in the first game. That kind of ruined the whole momentum for them. I know they 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 pushed it to the end, but but that was, that was really, I, I thought, the death knell for them, right? Yeah, you know, maybe so. I can't speak too much for Coastal Carolina. I don't know what. Why not? That's why we brought you on the show, Scott Watkins, to talk about Coastal Carolina. That's all we care about. I'm I'm sorry, Tibbs. I interrupted you. What were you going to say? No, I I was going to say, I I thought that Troy um, possibly had kind of that mid-range chance of advancing. I didn't think the Cajuns had a very good draw going to Miami, having to face the Hurricane face Texas, that was just not a good matchup for them. I would have been interested to see if the Cajuns would have got sent to Tuscaloosa, what that would have looked like, because I think that they would have had better matchups there. But I still don't think Troy would have done well in the Miami regional. So I I think either way, Southern Miss Coastal were our best hopes. But when you saw Coastal lose to that number four seed, uh, Ryder, wasn't it? Um, Yeah, Southern Miss, it was Southern Miss or bust, and 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 we busted in a super great great season, by the way. But what what do we learn from from Southern Miss? I mean, obviously next year we're going to have a new head coach, uh, Tanner Hall, no longer there. Uh, I I think the storm is 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 rolling out. Also, this is probably going to be a, a pretty new looking team, right? Yeah, there's still a lot of questions. You know, uh, one of the one of the big ones is Dustin Dickerson at shortstop. You know, it's gonna it, it's gonna depend on where he gets drafted uh, here soon. Uh, but uh, once once the uh, the wave kind of runs its course, I guess uh, we'll have a clearer picture. Um, I I'm not gonna jump. I don't think anybody's gonna jump and uh, say that you know this team's gonna be in a rebuild situation. Of course, Danny Lynch is gonna be gone as well, the third baseman. Um, Going to be a lot of work to do, I think, as far as roster construction goes, but they have a good class. Uh, we actually have uh, several players down here on the coast that are heading up to Hattiesburg. 
as well. I'm excited about that. So I think they're going to be fine, especially with uh, Christian Ostrander as head coach. Uh, he has the, the job that he has done with the pitching staff is seemingly uh, just molding a fantastic class, uh, you know, staff out of out of nothing almost uh, year after year. It's been incredible. I remember looking into this team last year as my first uh, Southern Miss baseball team uh, season, and I thought, you know, I. I don't know what they have in the pitching staff. It's going to be a huge question mark, blah, blah, blah. You know, it, it was just what, what what's the season going to look like? And they end up with the second best team team ERA in the country. And then that summer, five players, five pitchers get drafted uh, to transfer. The Saturday starter transfer, one goes off to med school and they come back out top two staff in the Sun Belt anyway. So I, I think with, with Christian Ostrander in tow, I think it's going to be, just fine as far as pitching goes. Travis Creel is probably going to stick around as far as hitting coach. Um, I think Southern Miss is going to be fine. I think they're going to sit on top of the Sun Belt for quite a while, in my opinion. So, Scott, you know, pitching aside, uh, we, there is an elephant in this room, and that's a lot of players left on base against Tennessee, especially in the second and third games. Uh, being shut out again in a do-or-die match must just be – I don't know. I, I, very frustrating for fans. I'm sure it's very frustrating for the team itself. What is this a cause of? It's just just postseason nerves. What do you think happened there? Drew Beam. I think that's what happened. I think Drew Beam happened. Um, he had uh, five outs into that game. I, I looked at Dave next to me. I said, Dave, that is the best college slider I've ever seen in my life right there. And he agreed with me. Uh, the pitching ninja says it's a curveball, so I guess legally it is a curveball. But uh, the stuff was just unreal. Scott Barry after the game said that it was the that was the best stuff that Tennessee threw all weekend. Uh, it's very very hard to string together hits in that kind of situation. Uh, Lob issues was a major major thing first half of this season. It kind of resurfaced against Drew Beam there. Um, we kind of knew going in that Southern Miss's best opportunity was game two. If it did not win game two, it's going to be in trouble in game three. It's going, it going to be an uphill battle in game three because uh, Tennessee just had the more more quality arms available than Southern Miss. Not to say Southern Miss didn't have them, but Tennessee has three very, very good starters that are all going to play professional baseball. And Drew Beam was just unreal. After uh, whatever – no, he no, he did fine. I'm thinking of the second game. Yeah, he was he was absolutely unreal in that third game. Uh, the ump had this really weird strike zone going to, and uh, Drew Beam took advantage of it as well. So it's just one of those games where it was very hard to string together enough hits uh, without that one big swing that Southern Miss just never got. I know Southern Miss ended up winning the game that was – uh, postponed and restarted, but did the weather, like, do you think it ended up affecting either team more than the other? Or like, was it really not much of a factor as much as the fans kind of made a big deal out of it? I think it ended up canceling each other out for the most part. Um, in my opinion, I do think that, you know, it helped Tennessee a little bit as far as, you know, you're coming out, it's basically a fresh ball game and you've got a man on first, you know, it feels like a head start almost. And then Armistead comes out and just really, really struggles. Uh, and that's that's not a situation that a pitcher finds himself in very often, you know, starting a, almost a whole new game. But it's not a whole new game. You're in the middle of the game and you've got to run on first. And there's a pitch count already up there. So a really tough situation for him to walk into. So I think that it may have benefited Tennessee for half an inning. But a after that, it was just baseball. 
did it like disrupt the whole week though at all? Like for I disrupted my weekend. Yeah. <laughs> well, you, you had time to go to Laurel to go to Applebee's though. So <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Oh, uh, well, Scott, uh, you know, we we're talking about baseball and it was a great season. And, and Tibbs, I don't know if you have any more baseball to discuss, but do you have any t- football tidbits that you want to share with us? Do I? Yeah. No, I, I haven't even turned the page to football yet. I I had a we had a Southern Miss player uh, or a guy commit to Southern Miss today, and that was my that was my wake up call to go ahead and start picking <laughs> Southern Miss football again. So I will get started on that as soon as possible. Scott and the Golden Eagles have not started the countdown clock to Alcorn State. No, <laughs> I know they're very excited uh-huh. about that. You know, our good friend Phil Steele has already started promoting his digital version. Of his of his book, so that's always really my cue to start getting things going. So I'm excited yeah, I, about. The I film. don't start until the Phil Steele arrives in my hands, and then that's when the that's when the football previewing begins. That's a good policy. That's a good policy. So you're going to show? Are you going to show up to in New Orleans for? Uh, I'm gonna, yeah, I'm going to try to. If I do, it's just going to be the first day. Uh, thankfully, the uh, Keith Gill part and the Will Hall part fall on day one, so I'm yeah. going to try to show up and dip after that, and uh, it'll be fun. Now, Why am I the only one dedicated to be there for the full thing? That's what I'm saying, Tibbs. How can we shame this man into doing his journalistic duties and being there for all two days? <clears throat> all two days. <laughs> no. <laughs> you did it, la- <laughs> did it last year. It was great. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure I had to. <laughs> now, what we really need to do is drag Shane's butt over there. Now, Shane has warrants out for his arrest. In several counties in Louisiana, it kind of prevents yeah. him from taking a straight line to New Orleans, and he might use that excuse again. There are no counties in New Orleans. Oh yeah, it's all was it parishes? Parish. Parishes. Yeah. And they followed the Napoleonic Code, and that's really what Shane's biggest crime is: is besmirching the good name of Napoleon. Is that yeah. is that right? Yeah. All right, I'm done. Does he have any more questions for Scott so he can go to bed? I woke up. No. Uh, you woke up wow. to this. <laughs> we 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 are honored and, and always great having you on, Scott. Looking forward to catching up with you the one day in New Orleans where we'll actually no, get to see you. We're going to see Scott two days. I'm I'm calling up his wife. We're going to get it set up. So Actually, like, technically, maybe because I'll probably show up the night before. Uh, hey, there's there, there's nothing wrong with sitting in the Sheridan drinking old fashions. Always good to catch up with Scott Watkins talking Southern Miss. It, it, it was a great time last year. Shane wasn't there. And I, I know no. we always give him the ribbing. Shane wasn't there. Well, no, Fleischman was there. He was there, but he was not drinking yeah. with us in the Sheridan the night before. No, he was not. He was, you know, drinking bottled water, going to bed early, and taking his duties as a journalist seriously. The rest of Meanwhile, us... You, you were trying to fist fight a guy to get in front of the line at Crystal. No, that's not true. But I did mistake the voice of the Red Wolves for the head basketball coach of the Red Wolves. And that was a little embarrassing. So now every time I see him, I I, I call him that name. And we <laughs> But uh, it was embarrassing. I had some drinks. I don't think he'll make that mistake this year. I don't know. He really looks like him. Really looks like him. Yeah, he, he doesn't like look like Guess he doesn't look like the current coach, though. Oh, he doesn't look anything like the current coach. No, nobody looks like Brian Arps. Uh, he, he stands out. 
And on that note, yeah, what we, we fire do? up the plugs, promos, and yes. parting shots. Yes. Jeremy, you always have the longest one. Okay. Please. I don't think this one's going to be that long. I mean, it, I might get a little like high horsey. And maybe that's what you mean by longest one. But, but all right. Anyway. Yeah, I, I, this, is, this is something that just sort of popped onto the Twitters today from a website called The Free Press, which I don't know anything about. The writer's name is Ethan Strauss, uh, posted this story today on the 13th and was talking about the NIL uh, situation, but mostly how it's affecting female athletes. And he really focused on the Cavender Twins. Are you guys familiar with the Cavender Twins? Yes. No. <laughs> Shane, just sort of, yes. The Kavner twins uh, played basketball for Miami. Uh, two blonde-headed girls. Uh, they have uh, a big following on the uh, Instagram and on the TikTok, where they do a lot of fitness kind of stuff, but they also wear, like, a lot of bikinis or they wear, like, dresses or whatever. It's all about health and fashion, and they make a lot of money doing this in the nil and then all the you know and, and all the endorsements they've had and the name of the article or the title of the article is the ncaa has a hot girl problem and the premise of it was that while you know the best athletes women athletes aren't necessarily ones getting the best nil deals it's the ones that are are cute the ones that have some sort of a marketable personality uh, outside of sports. For instance, the Cavender Twins, they were okay. They played on the Miami team, and the Miami team was good, but they weren't near the level of a top-tier female basketball player. Yeah, so I think what they were what the the juxt the, the position of the article is like may is it bad that the NIL is not rewarding the best players or is this just how capitalism works? That there's a demand for the Cavender twins, but maybe not a demand for, I don't know, say somebody like Angel, uh, what's her name? The the uh, the 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 great basketball player for LSU. I, I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. I'd be curious to hear what you guys had to say for that. Well, there's a demand for Angel Reese too. She's she's yeah. getting rich, but um oh yeah, Angel Reese, thank you. Yeah, I mean I agree with that to some degree, but there's there's always been when it came to endorsements and stuff like that, there's always been like a mixture of both how good of a player you are and like how marketable you are. Michael Jordan would not have been Michael Jordan, the guy from Air Jordans, if he wasn't also really good on commercials and a handsome guy who was funny with Bugs Bunny. And so, you know, like, <laughs> you know, he's the greatest player in the world, but he didn't have to be the greatest spokesman in the world either. Um, you know, Rick Fox, it, it's a female thing, but it's also always been a male thing too. Rick Fox is an average NBA player who was also the most handsome guy in the world who started doing movies and commercials, you guy. know, like, you know, the, I don't think it's necessarily a hot girl problem. Obviously, yes, there are female athletes who their looks help them get to another level with marketability but there's always somebody has something that kind of helps them with their marketability i mean 
Anthony Davis <laughs> isn't in commercials because, you know, even though he was the best player in the NBA or the best center <laughs> in the NBA for a while, like yeah. also didn't have the look. I mean, yeah. it just, it kind of goes both ways, I think. Yeah, that lug's a bonus for Portland. Didn't have the look. But all right, so so Tibbs, is this a matter of if you're troubled by this, you're being kind of a prude and being a little naive? Or is it that, hey, it'd be nice if as a society we recognize people for their skills and not for something as shallow as looking good in a miniskirt? I think back to one of the previous episodes we had about the Sports Illustrated swimsuit issue. Yeah. There's a reason that sells. And it's not just because of Martha Stewart. And I think that you're naive to think that the imagery, the looks aren't the main driver. Sure, it's great that you also have the personality, but if you're that athletic, attractive 18 to 24-year-old, like we're seeing for most of the the female student athletes with the NIL deals, yeah, it's going to sell. Yeah, I think another athlete that, Shane, you can add to that, too, is Anna Kornikova. I mean, she did. She won a couple tournaments, but she was never on top tier as with, you know, the, 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 the oh, gosh, the sisters, the Williams sisters or or some yeah. of the other players. But she was supermodel beautiful, so <laughs> was very remarkable and made a lot of money. So, yeah, I, you know, she, or Tibbs, I, I guess you're right. You know, the, it, it, there there are ways to make to to, to market yourself and ways to grab that bag. And if you can't just grab that bag through your, 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 the skills that you have, you can grab that bag in other ways. So I think that's my, that is my, my, my parting shot. I mean, also like when you just, I mean, to be honest, like the vast majority of college athletes are in such amazing shape, but they're, (laughs) they're better looking men and women. They're better looking than, the average person and a lot of it has to do with just being in incredible shape and you know like if some of them college... decide some of them decide that's what they really want to hang their image on and some don't and most of them have the opportunity to kind of like play that if they want to yeah sure it's not gonna last forever too you might as well yeah. strike all that irons out like shane steeple chase shane <laughs> could have made a boatload of money oh yeah in this age of the nil but I, you could... I, you were yeah, born yeah. too early, buddy. I did. Miss, I did miss the boat on uh, taking advantage <laughs> of when I was in shape. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just would have loved to have seen a steeplechase with a NIL deal for like floaties. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> you could have been my agent back then. <laughs> it's never too late, Shane. What, what do you have for your plug promo parting shot? Parting shot. Jeremy said he has no interest. No, Zero. in the college world, in the college world series, you're done I'm with done. college baseball. Uh. Uh-uh. But let me tell you, three, hmm? three of the head coaches from Wake okay. Forest, Virginia, and Florida uh-huh. were members of the 1990 Harrisonburg Turks Valley League baseball team. Wow. So we do have a rooting interest out here in the Shenandoah Valley in Virginia. The Harrisonburg Turks, a longtime Shenandoah Valley League baseball college summer league. Who got would, ties, so that's, who would that, know that's, that's, that's the, the rooting interest out here. Who would have guessed that the Harrisburg, Harrisonburg Turks was the crucible of premier 
college baseball coach. Yeah, it's it's the cradle of coaches. <laughs> Isn't that what they they call it in uh, football? Is it Youngstown yeah. or whatever? <laughs> the cradle of coaches. Yes, right there in Harrisonburg. You want to be a successful college baseball coach? Come play for the Harrisonburg Turks. That is good advice. I do still have a rooting interest in the College World Series, cheering for our G5 brethren, Oral Roberts of the Summit League. Okay. Home to former Sunbelt Conference member Denver. Oh. As well as the likes of Nebraska Omaha, North Dakota State in most sports except for uh, football. And, of course – the KC Jackrabbits. <laughs> You're stretching the red strings a little bit, but okay, I respect it. I respect what you're trying my, to say. My parting okay. shot, though, it was an article that we tweeted on our Twitter account, Funbelt PC. Okay. That says NILs, collectives, they may mm-hmm. not qualify for IRS protection under the 501c three criteria Uh the four criteria that you have to meet in order to get that tax exempt status yes you have to be a charity or Mm -hmm. declared a charitable organization they're all do that it's a checkbox well the pga no part of their earnings Uh may benefit a private shareholder or individual Uh rut row yeah. Substantial amount of the activities cannot be related to lobbying. Rut row. They cannot participate in political campaigns. Yeah. Mm, I think a lot of the NILs may have done Ooh. a little lobbying. Really? Oh my God. I think a lot of NILs may benefit a board member or two to, you know, make sure that they're doing the due diligence and, and, mm. and running. The organizations. All right. So a little bit of background on like Arkansas State's NIL and the reason why it, it considers it a, a charitable organization. We call it a 501 what? C3. 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 Yeah, they, they, they. And here's how they, they position it. <clears throat> or in, or, and I think a lot of NILs do this. They'll say, okay, if you're if you're a student taking advantage of NIL money, NIL money from us, you have to do a certain amount of charitable work in the city. So if I if I'm Terrence Ford, who was recently picked up for shoplifting, and I got some NIL money, I would have to do like a public service announcement for I don't know, picking up litter on the side of the highway or or maybe helping out with building a house for the poor. So that's how they that's what how they tie it together. But I don't know if that's enough of a link to keep it into uh, as qualified as that. Probably not if it's court ordered, also. <laughs> but also, too, uh, you know, I learned that the PGA itself, the organization, is also considered a charitable organization. How does that fit in the parameters? But the NIL collectives don't. I don't know how that works either. So, so I don't know. I don't know. I don't even know how the PGA makes money. How is it? Where, where does the money come from? But the Saudis. No, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> Why did anybody do a parting shot about that, guys? <laughs> I don't even totally understand what it is. 
<laughs> All I know is like it just feels. Yeah, I know people are mad. Hey, people are pissed. <laughs> but uh, you know, it's like okay, I guess I guess we just have to live in a world where where everything's for sale. But uh, yeah. Speaking of which, we have a uh, sponsorship availability. Uh, yeah, right here. Right. Yeah, DM's always DM's always open on Twitter, yeah. where you can say yes, we would love to be a sponsor. And wouldn't you like like Shane to say something like, "This segment, part uh, plugs, promos, and parting shot is brought to you by Coca Cola. Wow. Coca Cola, so refreshing, almost as refreshing as this hot take. Wouldn't that be like like a valuable plug from Shane Metlin, Pulitzer Prize winning uh, reporter, Heisman Trophy? You forgot also. He's been trophy voter. If we really want to attract sponsors, you probably should stop saying things that are definitely not true. Are you kidding? No. Yeah. What we should do is completely amp up our resumes. Like uh, I'm a former uh, weightlifting champion. And uh, Shane is a former Navy SEAL who was there for the killing of Bin Laden. Just because he was in a race once. And got wet chasing a guy that was maybe from the Middle East does uh-huh. not mean he was a Navy SEAL. 